listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Game two in the Western Conference Finals, and last night it saw the Phoenix Suns at the buzzer, nearly at the buzzer, under a second left on an alley-oop from an out-of-bounds pass, getting a 104-103 win. They now have a two-game series lead with game three back at Staples Center. Okay, so the first question is, you have to separate in the NBA series like this, the seven-game series, between what we learn about the teams and what we know about the math. The math of it is that the Suns have to win two more games and the Clippers have to win four, four or five. That's pure math. I'm not sure, though, that we've learned anything about the Suns without Chris Paul and the Clippers without Kawhi to make me think one team's any better relatively to what we thought entering the, the round itself, the series. We actually have an expert with us, Maddie Holt from U.S. Integrity, former bookmaker. We forgive him for that. Maddie, if you looked at just the power rating, just the quality of these two teams relatively, have you had any reevaluation of how good the Clippers are relative to the Suns? Uh, no, other than I think it's fair to say that Devin Booker uh, was underestimated in terms of that superstar value probably prior to the playoffs and now. The playoffs itself. Yeah, like he's very much that top tier one. You know, those top five guys in the league now, he would be valued as one of those. Top five? Uh, yeah, I think he's in that same. When you start Ooh. valuing players like what does Anthony Davis mean to a point spread or what does Kawhi Leonard mean or are any of these guys, I think suddenly Devin Booker has put him himself into that category. You and Stephen A going strong on Booker. Now, do you discount the defense? I mean, because obviously the rebuttal is uh, under, uh, below average on defense. Uh, yeah, I, I think they say that about everyone. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, well, a lot of the I don't stuff. think they but, say that but, about But everyone. the point spread... The point spread impact from those players still puts them in the top tier of when they're out, the line moves more than anyone else. I'm not here to debate the viability of a player in terms of who's better and talk about X's and O's. The, how many points will the point spread move when a player's out? Devin Booker's in tier one. And a lot of people before the, the playoffs started would have had Chris Paul as more valuable than Booker. Um, it certainly wasn't an extreme minority position. At this point, you're saying it's it's clearly Booker is more 100%, valuable. Yes. So let's let's start there. Jonas is when you look at Chris Paul, when you look at Booker, which one, as the fans' perspective, seems more valuable? Uh, at this point, I would say Devin Booker, just because we've seen Phoenix play well without Chris Paul. We've had our sample size of no Chris Paul in the postseason, and Cameron Payne, the backup to Chris Paul, is not that much of a drop-off. In fact, you would argue that he's even more of a threat offensively at times. He brings a lot more energy, and so I haven't seen that much of a, of a drop-back from Chris Paul to their backup. Devin Booker, I would agree uh, with Maddie. I think he's taken a step in this postseason, similar to Trey Young where everybody knew he was talented, he was a scorer, but now we've gotten to see it on a big stage. And he's hit clutch shot after clutch shot and had some monster performances, which I think a lot of people were cap- thought he was capable of, but we've just never seen it on this stage. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, back to you. Any subject about the game, what was your main takeaway from last night? Uh, I Look, I give the Clippers a lot of credit, and I give the Suns a lot of credit just from – 
these are their best players, right? I mean, we've been hearing all about Chris Paul. He's the best player on Phoenix. They go as he goes. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's the best player on the Clippers. They go as he goes. You've seen players on that roster, and I don't know if it's a credit to the organization and how they've built uh, or how they've been built, but you've seen the depth showcase itself for both teams, and I come away not being as down on the Clippers being uh, down 0-2 in this series as maybe I should be. I come away from this going, this team's a real threat. We've seen them do it in previous series when they go down 0-2 before. I'm not saying it's for sure going to happen here, but you could argue. I mean, I think they should have won that game last night. They were very much in the game, game one, so I I don't come away down on either of these teams. Paul George missing the free throws was bad, but I think Paul George himself has been pretty damn good the past few games also. So that's an interesting question. Paul George, playoff P, a lot of scorn for that. Obviously with Kawhi out. And one thing we've been saying, and I think the odds show it pretty strongly, is the Clippers are not expected to get back Kawhi. If you look at the, the, the series price, it seems uh, very strong that he doesn't come back this series. A lot of people in the media... I thought it was the other way, actually. Really? Now, yeah, I mean, think of this. The Bucks haven't played a game yet. They're minus 500. The Suns are up 2-0, and they're only minus 700. Well, here, here was what made, jumped out at me about it, is... The analogy, and this is a great conversation. Matty Holt joins us, former bookmaker, who, by definition, they're they're contrarian. Those bookmakers is if you looked at a series in which you had the home team win and you thought they were about even teams. So an example of that would have been Utah and the Clippers, right? Utah and the Clippers were about minus 130, 140, which is home court in a pandemic year or half a pandemic, however you want to call it now. Is, was about right. It said they were even teams. And after the first win Utah had, and everyone was healthy or relatively healthy, I guess um, one Utah guy was out. But at this point, the line went to about minus 200. So it was minus 200 after a 1-0 even teams, home team wins. Here after game one, it was, Mackenzie, what was the number? It was 400? Minus 425. Yeah. So when it went to 400 after the first win, Boy, that's a big jump. So, and now and some of that was fueled by speculation that Paul would be back for game two. Oh, that Chris Paul would be, yeah, but, but then Chris Paul worth two and a half points is your assessment. Mackenzie's got him at four. Let's call it somewhere in between. For one game's not going to move that line in any, you know, by what ten cents. And, and the injuries and the fact I think more as more information came out too, it seemed less and less likely that regardless of how long it went, Kawhi Leonard would be able to come back. Exactly. So, yeah. so I guess what I thought I just heard you say was that you thought this line was indicative of a, a decent chance of Kawhi coming back. Well, I, I think at least they think that there's a good chance the Clippers come back. Here's a good example. Uh, well, okay, like Golden enough. Knights go up 1-0 against the Canadians. It's minus 1,400. The Bucks haven't well, but played they a game. Even teams to start, right? No, not exactly. But I'm just saying that this line for a 2-0 series lead and the team down 0-2. So, Mackenzie, what was Utah, what was Utah Clippers after game two? Because that would be the one we can compare it to. One second. Yeah, take a minute with that. So we'll take a gander at that. I'm straight out of Vegas. Real quick, Jonas, and we'll get back to this price here in a second. 
What's your thoughts on the replay? I mean, obviously a big chunk of talk about that extending out, dragging out the end of the game, some people believe. Yeah, well, I mean, the replay that I think is getting a lot of the conversation is the ball going out on Devin Booker after it was ruled out on Pat Beverly. They review it, and and the ball goes out on on Devin Booker. And there's people that see it. I mean, to me, it was pretty obvious Devin Booker touched the ball last. I mean, it seems pretty clear to me, even more so than other situations, because as Mark Jack and pointed out on the broadcast, he was almost palming the basketball when it rolled off his hands. It seemed pretty clear and obvious, yet we review it. I think they get the call right, and then everybody's upset at replay because they reviewed it and they got the call right. Because well, you know, Do you think they're upset over that, or are they upset over the fact of how it's dragging out the games? I mean, but I would rather they get it right. Like I, I've never been I'd rather these- be quicker. I see. I'm not in a. I'm not in a hurry. And maybe this is just because we do this for a living. You know, I want to. I got to see the end of the game anyway. So if it takes a little bit longer, you know, I need to watch it. I need to see what's going on. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. I don't get upset about the length that how long it takes for it to get it done. I I thought Colin had it right today in the following way: is if the game, if it's a game deciding type play. Replay makes a lot of sense to me, though I do think if it's not obvious, you know, which the NFL has done historically is if it's not obvious on the tape, then the call on the field stands. I think that's a good thing. And that, in theory, would shorten up the time. But boy, in the second quarter, why not? What I don't get is why not do it like the NFL and give them one challenge a half or, you know, give them one challenge for the game and and, and decide if, if, if it's important enough to do it. What was your position on that, man? Uh, boy, I, I thought that last 33 minutes, and that's what the last 90 seconds took, 33 <laughs> minutes, exactly. Um, I, I thought it made for good TV, though. I, I mean, I, I nobody yeah. cares about the middle of an NBA game or the beginning because we see these massive deficits erased, and there's always runs both ways. So the early parts of NBA games feel completely irrelevant, but that last 90 seconds that took 33 minutes, who, who changed the channel during that 33 minutes? Well, that's interesting. I would think a lot. At minimum, people were flipping picture in picture, you got to figure. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. See, to me, if I'm a casual fan, I'm watching this saying I get 90 seconds of action in 33 minutes. I I can't imagine that appeals to the casual the casual fan. But again, it's an interesting debate. Are there casual fans anymore between well, fantasy and these like play for free games and sports well, if you look betting? At the, if you is look anybody ratings, not invested somehow? But if you look at the NBA finals and compare those ratings to even big games in the regular season, it's night and day. So someone additionally is watching, right? It's like maybe people's moms. But are they watching action free? I I would think so because I I think if you're not I think Super Bowl you bet even if you don't bet other times I don't think you bet the NBA Finals if you don't bet during the NBA regular season very okay. much. All right, I'm RJ Bo straight out of Vegas. So we've I think we've got an answer on the on the Kawhi. So after Game Two, so the the theory is Jazz Clippers was analogous to and not exactly but close to Phoenix Clippers. Why Utah and Clippers about the same quality team was the assumption. Phoenix without um, Chris Paul would and Clippers without Kawhi would be about even teams. And after game two, Jazz are minus or were minus 415. And right now we got Phoenix at minus 770. So it, it does seem like with Chris Paul coming back that they're not expecting Kawhi. And the market isn't always right, but as you would know, right a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, Major League Baseball has decided to crack down on some of the illegal substances used on baseballs, anything from spider tack to suntan lotion and rosin, anything to help a pitcher get a better grip now. Major League Baseball has cracked down on, and now opposing managers can ask the umpires to check opposing pitchers of these substances during the game. And Matty Holt, now listen, I'm going to ask him a question, but we should let everyone know beforehand. He's not afraid to spin a yarn, this guy. Guess who shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot-dogging in? You, man. But he is the perfect guy to have when it comes to what went on behind the scenes when it came to the uh, enforcement changes with baseball pitching. My gut feeling was... Man, oh man, the totals are going to go up. So for those that aren't as savvy at betting, about half our audience doesn't even bet. Totals are the combined points in a game or runs in a game. So uh, a game might have DeGrom went, and what was the total in that game? I think six. Six. So that's a low one, but that's saying, hey, there's going to be six combined runs over under that. So before anything happened coming into Monday's games, you were aware of this. What was the thought process? And again, your company, U.S. Integrity, its job is simply to find out when there's anything shady in betting, in legal betting across the country. So, so I think everybody's got reaction is, oh my goodness, there's probably going to be more runs. But we didn't see anybody bet like that. We didn't see anybody's odds makers adjust like that. And I think a so, lot... So let's be clear here. So you're saying that the... Odds that came out, because the first number that comes out is coming from a, a sports book. And that sports book puts out a number, and then the bettors get to bet it. And they can say, that's too low, that's too high. So the numbers that came out originally from the bookmakers were in line with no adjustment for the enforcement changes, correct? Zero adjustment. And then the betting came in. And the bettors said, you know, we don't really think there's much adjustment because they didn't bet it up. Correct. I agree with both. Okay. And then when the games happened, they've actually had more unders in the very small sample size we've had since than overs. So the theory that suddenly games are going to start flying over, at least in the short term, has not been a practicality. Okay. So 26 games, counting three games that's gone final today, there's been 12 overs, 14 unders and if you look at the point uh the average total on the season prior to Monday the average total was 8.3 runs the average total over the last two days not counting today 8.1 so actually the total went down now keep in mind just through the eye test there's some aces went the last couple days and that's going to affect the totals over a short sample what we'll do after Friday, five days gives us a good chance to see a cross-section of the league. We can look at what the totals have done. But, man, the fact that we're 12 overs, 14 under so far, it doesn't seem like that uh, there's going to be a lot of betting on the over. I'm flabbergasted because even if it didn't matter in practicality, if the stickiness didn't really matter – the head games. We, I mean, we see with Simmons at the foul line. We see all the time. The mental end of sports is important. If, if you have that as a crutch, 
right? Is you just use that substance or whatever substance, it feels like not having it would psychologically at minimum have an effect. Jonas, what was your, what would you, you predicted about the results of this? I wonder if the walks have gone up because I don't know that we can just assume, you know, a guy's going to have a better read on the baseball and it's going to mean more base hits. But I wonder what the walk rate has been like since this has happened. Because one of the conversations it's had for pitchers is they say, I don't have as much control over the baseball, which means more guys are probably going to get hit, and I'm not able to control where the ball goes when it comes to the strike zone. So I wonder if walks have gone up since then. So over the long run, additional walks would lead to additional runs. Now in the short term, maybe not. Mackenzie, we can pull that up, right? Yeah, just give me a minute. Yeah. Um, Maddie, Maddie Holt, usintegrity.com. They're all about integrity in the sports betting world. He is the founder, CEO. Um, how did, do you guys have contracts with a a number of big organizations, right? The PAC 12 and NBA, SEC. Yeah. So, so you, you have a contractual relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, things, data being exchanged, money being exchanged. Do you have anything with major league baseball? No, we don't. But, um, you know, all of our operators, clients, I mean, we are basically the integrity provider for every single licensed sports book operator in the United States. And thus they're offering major league baseball (laughs) and thus we have to monitor it. Yeah. So was this something where, you were giving it a lot of thought about, okay, how can we see if something's hat or was it going to be like, hey, we're aware of it and we're just looking, like how extra close were you looking at these results? We were looking, so what's interesting is every single league right now, every single major professional collegiate sports league is embracing sports betting now as a form of engagement, as a form to, you know, not only bring in new fans, but keep them engaged with games. And I think that it really kicked off this year that all of these leagues have to be extra careful with the Tim Peel incident in the NHL. And if you're not familiar with it, it's an NHL referee this year who didn't realize that there was a hot mic on and actually admitted that he called a penalty when there wasn't one as a makeup penalty that, hey, I had missed a penalty earlier in the game. I didn't call it, so I just called one on him that basically didn't exist. He was immediately terminated from the NHL. Wow. Immediately terminated, long-standing referee done. And the idea is NHL is trying to embrace gaming, and nobody is trying well, to— so, so when you're saying embrace gaming, you're saying that it makes the integrity matter more Correct. if there's millions of dollars on it. Now, to me, as a guy that's bet— pretty much every day since he was 14 years old, and that's the absolute statute of limitations is up truth, is it feels like the game shouldn't matter more. I think that there should be a financial consequence if you are doing something to hinder the fairness of the game. Like we've talked about the NFL, and Jonas and I have talked about it for years now, the NFL in their injury reports with millions of dollars, billions at stake, if you're fudging the injury report, it's almost like the SEC coming at you for fudging your um, uh, P&L if you're a public company. So I, I see that. But do you it, – it's, it's not it just about betting the game, though, the idea that the NHL would take that call more seriously because there's betting. It's not just about the amount of money bet on the game. But but let's face it. It's true. They they are concerned with you know integrity Liability. more now at betting, yes. But it's also where they want to be from a betting standpoint. They're supplying all this official league data for the whole idea that the next pitch ball strike will start to be a regular wagering uh, option at every single spot. 
sports book in America. Will this batter get a hit, draw a walk? And if you're going to do that and a relief pitcher comes in and he's rosining up or he has all kinds of substances on his hat and a better has millions of dollars at stake on that and they find out the pitcher's cheating, there's going to be lawsuits and liability and issues. So why not get ahead of it now? I think they're, you know, they're ha- be- wagering has forced these leagues to clean up the sport in a way that they never did before. I just had an idea. Sue Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm RJ Bo, straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mr. UFC, Matty Holt. Yes, he's been red hot here. You know, I've only bet two UFC fights like in the last three years, and I'm 0-2. One was from Mr. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, and I've been so judicious. So, Maddie, convince me on this one, and maybe I'll try to be uh, get up to Jonas's 33%. So, I'm going to go <laughs> with the main event here, Alexander Volkov and Surreal Gan, the undefeated heavyweight. Uh, that's the main event of this Saturday's card. I'm going to go under four and a half rounds, and the odds right now is four and a half over minus 125. So, you're getting a little extra. You're getting a little plus money. A little juice. Uh, and and Volkov. Volkov's one of those guys, his last four wins come by knockout, five of his last six wins come by knockout, he has 22 knockouts, and these are big, giant heavyweights, and the biggest difference in MMA and boxing is, in boxing, you get hit with a flash knockdown, the ref gives you 10 seconds, he puts you in a neutral corner, counts, gives you the slow eight count in that time to recover, you get a flash knockdown in MMA, and the guy hammer fists your face into the mat, and the fight's over. And, and again, with these guys of this size and power, these fights just don't tend to... The average UFC total on heavyweights is one and a half rounds. We have four and a half rounds here. Why, why is this number what it is? I think the idea is that Gans' last fight was really boring. And it's a big recency bias from a French fighter that no one's seen, that's new to the UFC, but he's undefeated and French suddenly like in a main fight. event. French don't like to fight, that's, Maybe that's the theory here. I'm telling you, something's going to happen early here. I like Alexander Volkov is a live underdog in the fight, but my best bet, under four and a half rounds, plus 105. Any relation to Nikolai Volkov? No. <laughs> the, the wrestler? No. Okay. All right. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Last question. The Logan Paul May, uh, Mayweather... I mean, crazy amount of betting on that compared to what you might have thought? Several states disallowed it, and before the fight even happened, said, we're not going to allow betting on this because it's an exhibition, because there's not going to be a winner declared, and because there's not judging. The few states that did allow betting on it, very little action on the fight. Really? Yes. With legalized books. Yes. I think some of the far away ones might have had a lot of action. I will say this. It seems like not having any decision would make the integrity better. It's either a knockout or there's no, there's going to be no result, right? It would be a push. But so, for a fighter like Mayweather, it doesn't knock anyone out. Well, but the theory is there couldn't have been, there was a better chance of something really going scammy, like something looking like a scam if the judges are involved. But I hear you. It was so unusual. Yeah. But the amount of interest in it, my gosh. 
Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 